Amen. Well, again, what a great day today is. December the 25th, we get to celebrate Christmas. And um, I, I wanted a title to title to today's message, and, and we're not going to speak for very long, or I won't speak for very long, but yeah, um, I wanted to call this message, What's in a Name? What is in a Name? You know, um, I've mentioned this story before, but I heard a, um, I heard a story that about the day that Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky. A neighbor called out to a man coming from town and asked, Any news from down in the village, Ezra? Well... Squire McLean's gone to Washington to see Madison sworn in, and old man Spellman tells me that this Bonaparte fellow has captured most of Spain. What's new, what's new out here in the neighborhood? Nothing at all. Nothing at all except a new baby down at Tom Lincoln's house. Nothing ever happens around here. It's apparently a true story. Nothing ever happens around here. A little baby born down at Tom Lincoln's house. You know... Sometimes when a baby is born, we have no understanding on how much potential that's built into that child, right? Every person, every person on influence in history was once a baby, was once a baby, maybe a child, maybe a, a disruptive little child, who knows, but was once a child that nobody put any value in. And today, you know, we get to celebrate the birth of a child. You know, you know we, we, we have funny movies, and I like all of them, you know, where they, when we, 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 we talk about sweet baby Jesus and whatever it is. But, but you know, we have, we have such traditional views of Christmas that it's easy to overlook. You know, we often have manger scenes and, and, and baby Jesus in the manger, you know. And, and you know, this, how about this, uh, this well-known Christmas carol, Silent Night? You know Silent Night, right? You know, it, here's the sweet little baby Jesus, no crying he makes. Seriously? I mean, do you, know, do you know babies at all? No crying. Listen, guys, we, we, we impart this like religious veil over Jesus, and we don't see him as a man. We don't see him as human in every possible way. Let me tell you, he was 100% baby. Think about that for a moment. Yes, he cried. Sorry to pop your bubble if you really believe that it was a silent night and he never cried. He, you, know, you know, we get this idea that Jesus was lying in the manger saying, I better just pretend I'm the Son of God. I can speak all these languages. I can understand everything they're saying. I'm just going to go goo goo, ga ga, goo goo. You, you know, we've got to pretend like I'm the son, uh, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm a baby. Until one day I'm going to just finally speak up and show them everything that I really do know. That's kind of how we think sometimes. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was a child, he was a baby, and that he grew, and he waxed strong in spirit, and he grew in grace, and he grew in knowledge, and he grew in favor with God and man. It's important, actually, to understand the, the humanity that Jesus, because Philippians 2, and we won't go and look at that today, but Philippians 2 said that he had emptied himself of his divinity. He was so human that he needed the Holy Spirit to come on him. And it says that, it says in, in, in actually 1 John chapter 4, it, it tells us that the spirit of Antichrist actually denies that God came in the flesh. It's the spirit of Antichrist that says, no, 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 God didn't really come in the flesh. Really, when we, did, when we don't understand that Jesus came to show us exactly what it was like to be a human anointed by the spirit, 
It's a powerful truth because he showed us the example. He came to show us so many things in this celebration of his birth. And, and the, the fact that God would empty himself to be born in a manger is amazing. Everyday benefits. What's in a name? Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. It tells us that when it quotes that scripture in the New Testament. God with us. God with us. Verse, uh, in two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it for unto us. Or for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government, government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. There, there, you know, each one of the names of God, and you've heard me speak about the names of God because they are so powerful to, to, to grasp and to actually to, to see what, God, what is in a name reveals so much about the person and, and who they are and what they are. We, 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 a name is not just something like today if you just called Bob or Sue or Shannon, as mine is, whatever it is, it's just somebody you're known by. It's an, ident it's an identification just, just to be named or to, to, to single you out. But these names actually give meaning and, and are full of the meaning of who that person is. And God's covenant names, I'm not going to even touch on the covenant names, just these ones given at his birth, that he would be called God with us, Emmanuel. is <laughs> just, just super incredible. In fact, there's one that I want to pull out here, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. He would be called the everlasting father. You know, um, just that word everlasting doesn't mean from here till forever. It means from before forever till forever in the past till forever in the future. He will be the eternal father. Father. In the Old Testament, if you look in Genesis to right through to Malachi, you rarely see God. He is mentioned as father of Israel, and, and you see references to him and father. But Jesus came and spoke about father, his father. And we know in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here, he is father. He came to represent the father, everlasting father. In fact, in a, in a book by um, J.I. Packer wrote this. It's an interesting little quote. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. Having God as his, and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does, that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. Father. Dad. Jesus came to introduce us Father. And you'll see that after Jesus left, every one of the apostles in the epistles, the disciples spoke about your Father and our Father. In fact, listen to this. In John 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God 
and your God. Beautiful. In um, Luke chapter 2, such a, such a, a, a great passage. We always look at uh, Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds in, their, in the field, and, um, and I'm going to start reading here in uh, verse 8. Now, there were some, in the some country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I love this piece. That verse 11 we'll come back to. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I love the way that the New King James says that. It says there, peace and goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward men. A lot of translations actually t- say that, and they, they talk about peace amongst men. That is absolutely a misnomer. Do you know that Jesus did not come to bring peace amongst men? So, I, I mean, actually, it, it says it twice. It says it, I think it's in Matthew, but he certainly wants in, in Luke chapter 12, um, verse 51. It says, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. What? I'm sorry. I hope I didn't pop anybody's bubble right there. But right here, that Jesus did not come to give peace amongst men. What he came and what the angels were singing was peace and goodwill toward men. If we don't understand that, then we don't understand the very purpose of what Jesus came to give us. What the angels were singing was peace toward men. It was going to be a peace that God was going to make with mankind. And I've touched on this even last week when, with, in, Hebrew, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, when it talks about how just being justified and what Jesus did on the cross gives us peace. We can experience peace with God. That is the peace that Jesus came to give us. It was peace that we can personally experience in our hearts. Since Jesus has come, have you seen anywhere in the news where there's peace amongst men? Even amongst quote-unquote Christian nations. You see, there, it, there isn't just peace because Jesus came. We can only receive the gospel. We can only receive this good news into our hearts. And when we do receive the good news into our hearts, it can so revolutionize our hearts that we can experience a peace that passes understanding, a peace that transcends difficulties, a peace that transcends even war and um, things amongst men. We, but we have to internalize it. We get to, we get to receive this awesome peace that God made with us. That's where it starts. That's where, where heart change begins. And that's free for the taking. That is free to you. Goodwill. God made, had goodwill, and his plan was focused on that one day when Jesus was going to be born. Do you know how many messianic, I, I love this, it's one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest um, uh, proofs, if you will, of understanding that the Word of God is the Word of God. I mean, the Bible is the Word of God. There are messianic prophecies. I mean, 
Bible scholars count over 300 what they call messianic prophecies. They go through Old Testament prophecies from Psalms and from, from, from the Pentateuch and all the way, the imageries on all the, all, all the prophets. They talk about that Jesus was going to come. Do you know? I mean, Micah talks about that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Here, Isaiah speaks about that he was going to be born to a virgin. So there's so many prophecies that were scattered across throughout all these books of the Bible. There's there's hundreds. There's literally hundreds. I mean, down to details, down to details that they were going to, how he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be stabbed in his side, that he was going to be, he was going to have pierced, that none of his bones would be broken, that they were going to cast lots for his clothes. I mean, details that were, were spread out of centuries by different people that didn't collaborate on this, that were written long before Jesus came. They powerful. But Jesus came to bring us peace. In, and I want to go back to verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Those three words, those are three names, Savior, Christ, and Lord. He is Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The word kurios in Greek is Lord. To him whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. Master and Lord. You know, when, when, we, when He is Lord of our lives, you give Him the choice of, and the power of deciding in your life. Savior. To be a Savior is to be a deliverer and a preserver. He is a deliverer and a preserver. And then, of course, Christ. You know, Jesus, we, we, we so easy, easily lapse into the tradition, and, and you've heard me say it before, that Jesus, we just say, oh, well, 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 you know, Jesus Christ. It's almost like we use it, oh, Jesus Christ, and we talk about Jesus Christ, and we talk about, but it, Jesus, Christ is not his last name. It is not his surname. Christ literally means the anointed one. Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. In fact, in Acts 10, um, verse 38 there's that well-known scripture, and I love how Acts 10, 38 writes this in the New Testament, because it's, it speaks about the humanity of Jesus and what we were talking about earlier, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, there were lots of Jesus around those days, right? Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed. That's what the word is. God anointed Jesus the Christ. He was the anointed one. Do you know that you and I get to share in that anointing today? If you call yourself a believer, you can make that assumption. You can make that deduction yourself. If you are a believer, you have the right of Abraham that we may receive the Spirit of God, it says. That makes you, Joe, the anointed one. Shannon, the anointed one. Karen, the anointed one. Jeff and Jen and Steve and John, the anointed one. Now that kind of almost sounds a little scary. How can you say you're the anointed one? Well, because God says we can. We need to receive this fantastic gift that He's given us. 
good news of great joy. So, so what's in a name? What is in a name? Matthew 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you will call his name, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The, the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. That's his name, because he will save people from their sins. Do you know that the name Jehovah means, in itself means, one of God's names means to be the self-existent eternal God. Do you know that God, you know, He's got everything. There's nothing that He needs. He is God. So if you want to give anything to God in return, the only thing that we can give God in return is a willing heart. We can worship Him, and we can come to Him with a willing heart because He doesn't need anything. But Jehovah is our Savior. He is salvation. And so Jesus came, came as a baby to reveal this very Jesus, this very God in the flesh. Um, I love Matthew 11, verse 27, and um, it says it this way, All things have been handed to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus came to reveal the Father. This, I love talking about that topic, and, and we can speak for long and, and, and enjoy just unpacking the fact that Jesus came as the very revelation of God. Nobody can reveal God like Jesus can reveal God. And in fact, that is one of the reasons, the very reason he came as a baby. A physical human baby that was going to demonstrate how God looks and feels. It says that, in, in, in fact, in Hebrews it says, it, it says that, that in times past and in various ways, God has spoken to us through his prophets. And he has spoken to us through the law. But in these days, he's revealed himself through his son. That is powerful because the greatest revelation that we get to experience, that we are privileged is, is looking at the life of Jesus. When you open up your Bible and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and through those four authors, you see the perspective that they gained of Jesus. They saw through their eyes this person, Jesus, how he spoke, what he said, how he dealt with people how he spoke about religion, how he spoke to women caught in adultery, how he dealt with people with problems, how he dealt with tax collectors, how he dealt with religious people. This is the, this is the very character of God that we get to see. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, it says that he is the image of the invisible God. I love that word. He is the very image, and that word Greek is a word, well, we use it in English as well. It's the word icon. He is the icon of the invisible God. Because people said, oh, you can't see God. One day we'll see. We can see God. You can literally see God. Have you ever read a great book? And have you ever read in that great book, you, you will see some, some authors can really unpack a character or can, pack, can unpack a scene. And they can show you exactly what that scene or that person looks like. So that you, in your mind's eye, you can see exactly what that person looked like. And when the movie is made, they actually match it up. And you say, oh man, that's amazing. Look how they put that. It was just like described in the book. You see, 
we don't know exactly what Jesus looked like because these four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, didn't take the time to tell us exactly what color eyes he had. Evidently, that was not that important. But we see the most important things of his character and nature laid out before us. He is the very icon of God, of the invisible God. More still, in the baby, in his life, we were going to see the very image of God. That word literally means a likeness, a profile, a representation, a resemblance. And in Hebrews 1, that one that I quoted earlier, um, it says that it says this in, in verse 3. He is the radiance or the outshining of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. Now, that's a different Greek word. It's not icon, that one. The exact imprint is character. And it's literally a tool that they used for engraving to stamp out. Like if you make a coin... And you stamp that engraving tool would push out the coin. That exact that that image that was pushing it out was an exact image. That is what the word that it's in. It's a character. It pushed out the exact image of God, of the invisible God. Powerful. It, it is so powerful. So as we've got, I'm going to wrap this up in a couple minutes because our, our kids are coming in here for a, a, for, a, for a special that we're going to finish off with. But when we, when we understand that we can actually look at the character of God and that we can see Jesus' person, what God looks like in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I want to encourage you to reread the Gospels and ask this question. Say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Because if you open up your heart to see Jesus, what you're going to see is the, the image of the invisible God. There's so many things that you will notice when the Holy Spirit enlightens you. When you open up your heart to that Holy Spirit, He, he will show you things that, 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 that just... And I pray that our religious blinkers get pulled off. Because people will say one minute, they will say, God is causing sickness and disease. That God is causing sickness and disease. And they, and they, they, they will hold to that. I, I, sub, I, I subscribed to some of those beliefs and thought patterns because that's the way I was raised. And we are so used to just, just sort of simply believing whatever we've been raised with. But the question is, when you look at the life of Jesus, how many people did Jesus give sickness it doesn't matter what you hear from pulpits. It doesn't matter what you, 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 how many times that Jesus breaks somebody's leg and said, I'm going to teach him a lesson. Let me just break his leg. Let me just make some sickness. Not once. Not once. In fact, it says the opposite. Who went about doing good and healing all oppressed of the devil. When you see those, when you say, like, hold in a second, you, you, we've got to be willing to release our blinkers and, our, and, our, and our, the, the, these, these views that we've had of God because that is not who He is. Zacchaeus, remember, I don't know why it comes to mind right now, but man, that tax collector was in a tree. He had stolen and cheated people. He was worse than an IRS guy. You know, and, and here... I mean, Zacchaeus, Jesus comes to him and loves on him. 
He doesn't say, he didn't sit here. I mean, just look at that. Jesus didn't put his, tap his finger and say, I have a problem with you. You've been stealing. I tell you what, when you get your life in order, come and see me. I've got some help for you, but you better sort yourself out. Did Jesus do that? No. He goes to this despicable, unlike person in the town who may have had a height complex because apparently he was very short, and Jesus goes and loves on him. Loves on a tax collector. What's next? Sinners? He loves on him. Hey, I'm coming to your place. I'm eating lunch at your place. You know, love transforms hearts. When we see the acceptance that God loves and accepts people with, the woman caught in the act of adultery, woman, where are your accusers? They're gone. Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Look what happened in, in Zacchaeus' life. Immediately after having that great encounter with love and grace, he's transformed. He pays back multiple times what he's ever cheated and stolen from people. You know, experiencing Jesus in your heart does that to your heart. And, and, and Lake Haven family, and for all of you visiting here, we are so well, you're so welcome to be here with us today. I, my prayer for you today is that you experience God like you've never experienced Him before. That when you see sweet baby Jesus in the manger, that you realize that He lived a real human life. The Bible tells us He was tempted in every way, in every way just like we are, yet without sin. Jesus came to demonstrate and to show just how much He loves you. Just how much He cares. And let me tell you, whether you Zacchaeus's or whether you've been that woman caught in the act of adultery, let me tell you that Jesus will stop and have lunch with you. He will sit down to you. He has, his doors and His arms are wide open to you to love on you. Amen. Let's just pray quickly. Father, I thank You for so great a salvation. We thank You for Jesus that we get to celebrate today. Father, I pray that, that, that each one of us will see you in a fresh new way like we've never seen you before. Father, I thank you for your love that knows no bounds. That you say that your love exceeds heights and depths and lengths and breadths. But we're ready to learn about your love. And Father, I thank you that whether we are here in this building or watching online, that we pray that prayer to see you in a fresh new way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher and showing us exactly what Jesus looks like. Thank you, Lord.